This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelore. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks. Hi, Raw Beauties. This conversation that we're going to dive into today actually spilled out over an hour. So we've split it into two parts because all of the conversation and content was so good. I wanted you to have it all, but also I know that not all of us have an hour and a half to sit around listening to a podcast. So before we dive in, I want to share with you that last week I had not a great mental health week, if I'm being honest. I don't know if it's because it's been pouring rain in Vancouver for about a month straight or we're transitioning into shorter days. There was nothing major that happened, but I just had one of those weeks where I felt quite unmotivated, which is very unfamiliar for me. And I was overwhelmed by a lot of things. I described it to my husband, Scott, in that it felt almost like my brain was a bit on fire and I couldn't manage my thoughts. I started to feel more anxious. And the interesting thing is that the more I felt like this, the more I let go of and sort of moved away from all of the practices that support me the most. So let's talk about that for a second. We got to Friday and I said to him, I don't know what is going on right now. My hormones are so out of whack. I feel like I'm taking a huge step back in my health and wellness because I had been feeling so great. And he was like, Air, you went to bed every night this week at midnight. I have not seen you move your body once. When was the last time you meditated at your meditation class on Monday? You fell asleep in the session. (laughs) He was right. Literally all of the things that sort of keep me stable and sane and balanced, I had just dropped them like a hot coal. And then it was like, as I dropped one of them, I seemed to drop all the other ones. So I did. Last week, I stayed up every night until midnight working. I did not meditate. I did not move my body. I have lost my hydro jug, which is a disaster because that thing was just, I loved it. I don't know where it would go missing. It's this huge hot pink water bottle that I carry everywhere and it's gone. So I I drank no water. I mean, I think we all have these weeks where it just feels like everything kind of goes to shit. And for me, I start to panic that I'm going back into a state of total anxiety, a bit of depression, and I'm not able to pull myself out of that spot always, which is crazy considering I'm a health coach and this is what I do, but we all have our blind spots. So luckily Scott was able to sort of shine the light on the shadow for me and remind me about what those pillars of wellness are for me. And so today, if anybody is listening and feels a little bit like they're in that place where you're a little bit low or maybe your mental health's a bit off or you're not feeling as motivated, maybe there's a bit of anxiety there. Let's first take a breath here before we do this checkup from the neck up. Take a breath. And I want you to ask yourself, what are those pillars or fundamental acts of self-care that really support you in being able to show up as your best self? So for me, I opened up a note on my phone and I wrote down the following things. Okay, so water first. Before I put anything else in my body, It makes me feel so good if I have a big water bottle or a mug of hot water with some lemon. I can't explain why this works for me, but it just sets the tone for the whole day and it's so simple. I don't get my coffee until I've had that water. That's the golden rule. It's simple and it sets the tone for the day. 
The next thing that is incredibly supportive for me is meditating. Even if it is a three-minute meditation, just taking that moment to find my breath and allow my brain to stop for a moment. I mean, it doesn't stop, but that's part of the practice is, is bringing it back to the breath. It really allows me to show up with clarity in the way that I speak and the way that I write for my clients that I'm coaching. It is a necessity. I've been loving Insight Timer lately. Uh, it's something that you can use for free. There's tons of free guided meditations. And depending on what I'm feeling like I need, whether that's calm or clarity or nature, you can just do a search in the search category at the top and you can look for all of these beautiful free guided meditations. Michelle Campbell, who's my meditation teacher, has some free ones on there as well. So that's a tool that anybody can use. Moving my body. I do not move my body every day in a traditional form of exercise or movement. It doesn't feel possible at this state in my life. And I know that's just an excuse, but hey, that's my honest truth. But I'm really committed to a three day a week exercise routine, moving my body. It can be Melissa Wood. I'm doing some training with this guy, Michael Maloney, where we're using some weights and that's helping me feel stronger in my body, which I'm loving in this season. Remember, there were like a couple of years there where I basically didn't work out at all because I just didn't have it in me. So I'm really celebrating this moment when I have the energy and the capacity to move my body in ways that feel really good. Less scrolling. We all know this impacts our mental health. So for me, the time when I really focus on reducing scrolling is right before bed. When I do scroll during that time, I find myself on there for like an hour in this deep dive into a pit of people that I don't even know. It's not good for my mental health. And what really truly fuels me is reading a book. I usually have about five books on my nightstand. All of them are nonfiction. None of them are fiction. And I'll just turn to a page in the book that I'm wanting to read. It's usually a book that is around self-development or business, marketing, um, self-love, intuitive eating, and I'll just read that chapter wherever it is that I've opened the book. Super weird, but that's how I do it. That to me is so much more grounding and just fills me up in a way that social media never could. Cold water. This is the one nobody wants to hear, but it truly is the most effective when my thoughts are just swirling and I don't feel clear. So I go into the shower, I have a warm shower, and then I flip the dial to cold and I find my breath in that moment. It's really uncomfortable, but trust me, after you do it enough, it becomes addictive. And I find my breath and it is like this flush of energy throughout my whole body that just clears the cobwebs away. If you have not tried this, I know you don't want to and you're like, mm -mm, not for me. Try it. The worst thing that could happen is for 30 seconds, you're really cold. But after the cold water, sometimes I'll just get out of the shower. Depends how badass I'm feeling. And other times I'll turn it back to warm, warm myself up again and get comfortable. But either way, you get the benefits. Then the last thing is eating every two to three hours. So when I get busy, I lose my appetite. I tend to just get distracted and buried in work and the kids. And it's not that I'm not eating. I'm just not eating enough for what my body needs. And so really ensuring that I'm eating every two to three hours, sufficient amounts. I'm having something they're called like rumble shakes. I was drinking Ensure for a little bit, just trying to get my weight bumped up a bit so that I have more of a buffer. So really going back to these basics. So water first, meditating, moving my body, less scrolling, using cold water, and then eating every two to three hours. Then I have about five or six other self-care practices that aren't as fundamental, but I still try to weave them in whenever I can. And I'm not even going to go there right now because what I want you to do is to identify what are your fundamental key pieces of wellness. Even if you just have two that you can identify right now, I want you to open up your phone and in the notes, put down wellness hacks or fundamentals of wellness or raw beauty wellness must do's. I want you to write a message to yourself, you know, for those moments that we don't have Scott being like, Hey, what are your wellness basics? Get with it, girl, <laughs> that you have written yourself a note that you can open to remind yourself what you need to pull yourself up, to pick yourself up 
on those difficult days that we all have. And we can be gentle with ourselves on those days. They're normal. It's part of being a human to feel all the different emotions. And yet we also don't want to sit around in that space for weeks on end. So take a moment, write that note to yourself, and then let's dive in to our conversation with Kenzie. I have a feeling most of you know who she is already. This was a really fun interview because it was the first one that I was able to do in person in like two years. And wow, I loved, loved, loved being in person. I went over to her apartment and we had tea together and we recorded this episode. And as I said earlier, it went on way longer than (laughs) normal episodes do. So it'll be a two-parter. If you haven't met her already, Kenzie is a 29-year-old self-love enthusiast, mental health advocate, and actress from Toronto, currently living in Vancouver. She has struggled with an eating disorder and body image issues over the years, but she now uses that experience to educate others. She uses social media as a transparency tool, encouraging those in her community to find boldness within themselves, cultivate vulnerability, love fearlessly, and live their truth, which obviously we are all about all those things. When Kenzie first posted to Instagram back in 2015, her goal was diet accountability, not social media fame. However, her focus shifted after discovering a different, more gentle side of the platform. Her hashtag Cellulite Saturday went viral in 2016, and Kenzie realized the power of her platform And after taking a moment to figure out how she wanted to use this platform and this voice, she launched Conversations with Kenzie, her podcast in which she talks about a lot of really taboo things that are so interesting, though. Everything from vibrators to binge eating, conspiracy theories, destigmatizing STDs, and all things body positivity. It isn't always pretty, but as Kenzie points out, she's dedicated to documenting the reality behind the social media sparkle. And we're going to go there in our conversation today. Grab your coffee, grab your tea, your glass of wine, whatever floats your boat. Let's chat, girls. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all faced, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. Today, I am so happy 
to be here with Kenzie Brenna, who I know many of you follow and who I've followed since she was living in Toronto, working as an actress, and has just blown up on Instagram and TikTok because of her ability and capacity to hold space for really big, beautiful conversations, taboo topics, and most importantly, I think for women, every kind of woman. I'm so happy to have you here. Mm, I'm so happy to be here. And I've been following you for years, and this has felt like we just have needed to do this for so long. And meeting up with you today, it was like, meeting up with an old friend like I had I was like I was like oh this is so normal I've seen you a million times in person but this is actually the first time it's actually crazy though because I feel like I've met many people who I follow on Instagram or on social and you meet them and I'm sometimes a bit disappointed like their personality is way different in person than what you experience online and I have to say you are you through and through in the best way possible. Uh, Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Likewise. So for anybody, I don't think there's many people listening to this episode who don't know who you are or who aren't familiar with you. But just in case, tell us a little bit about who Kenzie Brenna is and how you got here to this beautiful apartment in Vancouver, BC, spending your days sharing little pieces of yourself with the world. Yeah, totally. So I started my account about five years ago, which is so scary to say out loud. I'm like, oh my God, how has so much time passed from that? And it was a weight loss accountability account. And I started the account because I wanted to lose weight for the last time. And I was sick of being the size that I was. And I was sick of not having control over my food intake. So I ended up buying a workout program. And then I was like, I'm going to make a secret Instagram account. So that way I can follow the other women who are also doing the workout program. And I can be accountable and I can go online and I can look at exercises and all of the things. So I started this Instagram account and it was purely just for accountability. And it was like the first time that I felt like I had a lot of community support and I wasn't losing weight alone. I was losing weight with other people. And so I was like, you're kind of sharing your pain and your sacrifices and you're not alone in that. And that felt really special and that felt really unique. And I kind of became really obsessed with this online space because I just didn't have that support in real life. Like I was too vulnerable and I felt too shy to tell people that I want really wanted to lose weight. And then I lost a bunch of weight six months in, lost a bunch of weight, gained I think like maybe like a thousand, two thousand followers. And I was packed into this little weight loss online, weightlifting, macro counting community. And then I hit a plateau in my weight loss, which is very normal. Uh, It's like so stereotypical, like losing weight and then six months in hitting a plateau. That's like literally written in like the weight loss books. Like that's like what you need to expect. But it really hit me. It was like all of the poor body image came back. I realized I was like, I don't have a fixed relationship with food. Nothing is actually healed. And I totally had a meltdown and I completely imploded. And I got so mad at myself and my body. At that point, I was like really cutting down my own macros. Like I was going against my coach's advice and I was cutting down my macros so much that I couldn't even work out anymore. Like I was so tired. I was so faint. So anyways, I had this meltdown and I went on Instagram and for some reason I searched up the hashtag and it was self-acceptance and I'd never searched that hashtag before in my life. And then I searched it and then I saw all of these people sitting with their bodies and sitting in like, you know, a bra or underwear and showing their rolls and cellulite and stretch marks and bodies in just so many different ways. And they weren't posed and they weren't flexed and they weren't edited. And I was like, oh my God, people are actually doing this. This is wild. And then I took the leap and I decided to make a post for myself like the very next day, just like sitting in my sports bra and my leggings and just, you know, not posing and not talking about my body. Like this is my before body, you know, just wait for my after body guys, just wait until I lose enough weight and get toned. And, you know, I was just actually just talking about my body that like in, in a very neutral way. 
And then from there on, I just started to continue to learn about what body acceptance was. I learned about the body positivity movement. And at first, when I first learned about the body positivity movement, I was so mad at it. I was like, how could you say that it's okay to be any size? Like, how could you say that when we just know that being fat equals unhealthy? Like, that was my thought process at the time. And how could you say that people who are unhealthy are like worthy? I'd had absolutely no language around anything. It was just such a myopic surface level point of view. And I had so much anti-fat bias. I just like could not believe that that messaging was out there. But then I would kind of like hate followed people. And then like people I hate followed are like now my best friends, which is <laughs> so great. <laughs> but yeah. And then from there, I just continued to talk about things that are happening in my life. And now it's kind of grown from not just like body positivity, but like mental health stuff, self-care, relationship things, men, men. Oh my God. We are um, going to talk about men. We're going to talk about <laughs> dating and all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was so much coming up for me as you were speaking. And I want to dig in a little bit more on that piece around not being able to fathom how an individual who is deemed quote unquote unhealthy could be worthy or somebody who's in a bigger body, how this could be a good thing. Because I think that there are a lot of people who are still toying and grappling with this idea, who are are following along and listening, but who have been so conditioned to believe that these things are bad, unworthy, unsafe, unsanitary, whatever it is. So tell me a little bit about your process in those beliefs changing. Have they changed? Where are you at with that now? Yeah, totally. Great question. So when I first was introduced to health at every size, I thought that that was ridiculous. I was like, look, you can't have all of these doctors and all of these medical associations saying that being fat and being obese is bad and then come at it from a perspective of, well, no, it's actually not because you want to be lazy and you don't have willpower. Those are the thoughts that I had in my mind. And I always had the idea that fat people were lazy and unhealthy and they just couldn't get their shit together. And that's what I thought of myself for so long, whether I was fat or whether I was thin, it didn't matter. Like I always just thought that I just didn't have enough willpower as other people. And then I kept like, you know, kind of chipping away at these messages that people were saying. And there were some things that I really couldn't refute. Like I couldn't deny that I wasn't in a person's body and that I didn't know the status of their health and that I didn't know what they were doing to be healthy. And I didn't know what they have done in the past to be healthy and that it's really not my business. I couldn't debate that. And then on top of that, the next layer of that is why does a person have to appeal and meet my health standards in order to get my respect? And I was like, how could I debate this? And I couldn't. I couldn't do that without being a complete dick. (laughs) And I didn't want to be a dick. (laughs) So I would think to myself, I think that there's more to this. You know, okay, so if I can't, I'm not going to judge a person based on their health, but surely they have to be still working on their health. Like, because like, isn't this a huge implication on our healthcare system? You know, like, aren't we supposed to all be taking care of ourselves because this is like costing people money? This is like, you know, taking up space in the healthcare system, literally and figuratively. And I ended up, you know, looking, I was like, so surely these people are losing weight, but they're just being quiet about it. They're not like putting it in the spotlight or limelight. Like they're just like being quiet about it, but surely they're, they are working on their health. And then I came across the health at every size movement. And I was like, that's so ridiculous. Like you can't be healthy at every size. And that is true. That is true. There are on extreme ends of weight. There for sure is an area where this just isn't good for a human. I've played in that territory before on the low end of the scene. And yes, so there is a space for sure. And but you can approach health at every size. 
And so the idea wasn't to look at every fat person like, well, look, they are healthy. Therefore, they are okay. Therefore, they are worthy. Therefore, I don't need to police their bodies. But the idea is that for a single person, regardless of their body size, they can actually just focus on health behaviors and weight is not of their concern. Like their weight will be what it'll be when they're just focusing on their health behaviors. And so health behaviors can be a number of things. It can be exercise, it can be nutrition, it can be sleep, it can be meditation and mindfulness. And it's also relational. You know, we know that people who have healthy relationships live longer, they're happier, they're more centered, they're peaceful, their mental health is better, their physical health is better, they have lower blood pressure. And so we know that you know having really great relationships is so important for human beings. It's that social health. And so approaching health behaviors instead of approaching weight loss became pretty integral to the ways that I look at fat bodies and the ways that I look at myself and other people in general and not just looking at them like, well, they are overweight whatever that means, over what weight. That's like my favorite line to say to that. But they have a high BMI, so they're categorically obese. Therefore, I have an assumed health status of them. I assume their health status before I even know them. And because I've assumed their health status, I've also deemed whether or not I'm going to respect them or I'm going to love them or I'm going to think that they're beautiful. And that's dangerous because let's say someone is thin and they are struggling with substance use and they don't get much sleep and they're throwing up and they are sick a lot and they they're eating but they're not keeping it down and they're struggling they don't have great support in their life am i really supposed to say to them that like i'm not going to respect you and or i'm not going to think that you're worthy because you're not healthy Or if I have a cold one day, am I less worthy that day because I'm a little bit sick? Or if I do overeat, let's say I am fat and I do overeat and I don't work out and I don't work out for a number of reasons. Am I really not worthy of like being here on earth? Like when did that become the measure of worth and value? And so with that whole ball, I just couldn't deny that like weight stigma has real implications. And then when on top of all of that, looking at the data, just like looking at the facts that weight cycling, so losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight is absolutely horrendous for a person's health. And it doesn't matter if you're losing weight and gaining weight, but you never end up fat or you're fat and you lose weight and you gain weight and you stay fat. It's just bad. Weight cycling is just not great. And there's a reason why such a high percentage, like almost 100% of people who diet regain their weight back. This is like if we took a car out every day and crashed it almost 365 days a year, we would safely say that person should not have their license or that car shouldn't exist. But we don't do that with dieting. We still constantly say like this is a viable option for people. So when you look at the data and you see that weight stigma decreases health and that dieting is almost guaranteed to fail within five years and that people gain their weight back and that weight cycling is bad, you end up feeling a little bit lost because you have been sold this pill your whole life saying that thinner is better, thinner is healthier, and you can diet your way to that. And don't worry, it's fine. Like you'll be okay doing it. That's just not true. That's not true with what research says. That's not true at all. And while there are more health risks involved for people at different sizes, that doesn't mean that dieting is the option. It means that we need to be looking at it in a different lens. So I know that that was a lot, but like kudos to you if you're still here. (laughs) (laughs) I think everybody is here. And I really hope that you push pause right now, rewind that back and listen to it a couple of times because everything that you just said is so important and I hope that it just smashed a bunch of beliefs and thought processes and and changed perspectives as you were listening to it, which is what we're all here for, right? It's a learning process and an understanding process. One of the things that 
really opened my eyes was Christy Harrison's book, Anti-Diet, which I've talked about 1,700 million times on this podcast. But she talked about the fact that so many of the health consequences that we associate with being, again, quote unquote, overweight, can really be tied more so back to the stigma around that weight and how that affects us in pulling away from relationships, in not applying for the job that really would make us feel happy, in not wanting to go out to exercise or move our body because we're afraid of what people will think of us, and that the implications of that stigma are far greater than the actual weight on our body. And so the research can't clearly show that it is the weight that is causing higher blood pressure or poor sleep or joint pain, but there has been research that has tied the stigma of weight to these things, to the stress and anxiety that it causes and the isolation and the way that we hold ourselves back as humans. So you went from being in this community where you found a lot of things, this weight loss, macro counting, weightlifting community, and then you find yourself kind of caught in this middle ground. So where did you go from there? Like, that's a confusing place to be in when all of a sudden your beliefs and your way of being and this structure that you've created are starting to topple to the ground. Yeah, totally. Great question. Honestly, I stopped dieting and I started getting therapy and I started to address that, but it was kind of like, uncovering like a 20-year-old monster in a way where you're like slowly peeling the layers back and I'm like not done my healing whatsoever. And then the pandemic happened and that just threw everything. (laughs) Everything just was so great. (laughs) Heavy on the sarcasm there. The pandemic really affected my binge eating because my coping mechanisms are community and exercise. I particularly love dance. I can dance for hours and hours and hours. And I didn't have access to those things. And I know that I had access to Zoom so I could Zoom my friends. And I know that I could dance by myself in my room. But it really, for me, as a very extroverted person who's very recharged by being outside and by being in person with people, it was not enough. The pandemic really messed all of that up, but where I am now or where I where I was and where I kind of like there was like kind of almost like a fork in the road, I have honestly chosen not to take a fork in the road. I've chosen to like trailblaze between both of them because I do think that I don't isolate people who are on weight loss journeys even if they know that it's like statistically the odds are against them and that weight cycling isn't good, I don't really care to isolate them and I don't care to shun them and I don't care to shun people who are trying to improve their physique at the gym. How can we blame them really when we live in this world that's sending us these constant messages of be better, Mm. do more? There's also people who really truly, and I've interviewed some of them, love moving their body in the same way that I love having conversations and connecting with women. They love moving their body in the same way that some women love doing makeup and it's artistry to them. And some women love science. Like there are people who really enjoy this stuff that feel amazing doing it. It's part of their purpose and passion. So who are we to be like, wrong? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, totally. For sure. And don't you ever find too though that even if you don't agree with them that you're like, that's okay. You can still do that. Do you? Sure. And I not everybody would agree with me with that stance because people would say it it is indirectly harmful. Like just putting the messages out there that you have to work on your body, that you have to like look a certain way and just like all of those messages. But I don't personally subscribe to that. And I just think of like when I was in that space of losing weight and being committed to dieting and how that would have felt if people said, well, you can't access these messages of body positivity, body confidence, or self-love until you've given that up. Like that would have felt isolating. And I think that creates more of a divide. And I'm here to like build bridges. I'm not here to create a divide. And I so I don't really care to shun people. So when I was in that liminal space of I've dropped weight loss and I've dropped dieting and I'm not counting macros anymore and I'm not going to the gym to change my body, but I have all the, I have this like whole following of like people who do, I kind of just like let them decide. I'm kind of on a different journey now and people have stuck around and people who don't agree with me or people who do agree with me and have changed their lives or people who do agree with me and haven't changed their lives. Like there's like 
so many different journeys. But yeah, that's that's where I went with it. I feel like the piece with movement that I've come to and my eating disorder was really at a peak when I was 16. That's almost 20 years ago. So I've been navigating this and and having these conversations with myself and therapists and women for a long time now. And I really had to reframe my relationship with movement and where I'm at right now is like movement to me just has so little to do with how a person looks. It's a form of connection with your body. It is a way to get energy if you if you're tuned in and listening to what your body needs. Like I've gone through seasons where I was training for a half marathon. I've gone through seasons where I barely worked out and I did Melissa Wood like once a week if I was lucky after having kids where I was trying to rebuild from anxiety and what I needed was slow and gentle. And now I'm in a space where I'm feeling so much stronger mentally and I started craving feeling that in my body. And so I'm doing some weights and strength training, but it has nothing to do with the way that I look. Like it's about how I want to feel and not about what people are telling me that I should do and more what I feel connected to needing in my body. But that's a process and it's complicated. I kind of always have to check in with myself. Wait, are you doing this for the right reasons or is that world seeping in in some way? And of course, it's always there. It's complicated. It's ongoing. You mentioned I actually haven't seen this post, but I was interviewing Iskra and I asked her who she loved following. And she said, I love Kenzie Brenna. She was like, what I love about her is she's so unapologetic about whatever stage she's in, in her journey. And last week she said that she wanted to lose weight. And I just thought, oh my God, that must be so hard for her to say with her community where she's been heading in one direction. And now she's like, shit, maybe I actually like changed my mind or or I'm feeling something different. I'm noticing something different coming up. And she's like, she still says it, even if it feels scary. So I, I wanted to pass on that she is like fangirling. And B, I'm curious to know where are you today in this moment, in this journey? Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. That means a lot. Iskra and I have been chatting and following each other for about as long as I've been following you. And it's so nice that we're all like in this like wonderful community with one another. So where I am now is a bit of a complicated relationship because I gained so much weight through the pandemic, which is amazing. I'm so proud of my body for doing exactly what it needed to do. It like literally was like, we are living in a pandemic. You are eating a lot of popcorn and you are not moving there is only one way through this. Like, you know, (laughs) like it's not a mystery why I gained weight through the pandemic. Like ice cream and popcorn saved me. (laughs) Thank God that they exist. And I felt like physical garbage during the pandemic. Like I felt so physically sick all of the time. And I would honestly force myself to like go on walks and I would force myself to exercise and do all of those things. But it was like, I literally in my whole body, every time I would work out, I was just like, I can't do this. I can't. I would have this like wave of, I don't know, this like cloud over me that just made it impossible for me to work out and do things that I loved like dance or go to the gym. Like I didn't have access to that in Toronto. Toronto was under one of the longest lockdowns in the entire world. And it was absolutely horrendous. And I went through a breakup, like a really, really, really hard for me. It was The breakup was fine and, and it was mutual and it was beautiful. And well, I wouldn't really call it beautiful. Well, it was beautiful. Fine. Beautiful-ish. I won't call it beautiful. I'm a little, <laughs> still a little bit better. No, it's okay. Um, the breakup was really, was needed and it was so respectful. And my ex and I, we handled it in a really kind way and we just needed to go our separate ways. And going on my separate way during a pandemic and during quarantine and during isolation and during winter was honestly one of the hardest chapters of my whole entire life. Like I lost my period for a while. I had cystic acne. I gained a bunch of weight and I was like, what is happening with my body? Like I've never gone through this before. It was really hard. I felt really angry and I felt upset and I I naturally am quite an energetic person. And it doesn't matter what my body size is. I just like, I have energy. I love like 
doing things. I love being social. I love going out. I like being busy. And that's like a natural disposition for me. But through the pandemic, it was like I couldn't I couldn't be busy and I couldn't and I couldn't be busy in the ways that I wanted and I was just sitting at a computer all day and anyways so with all of that being said I felt like shit I felt like absolute shit and my legs hurt a lot my varicose veins hurt a lot my knees hurt my ankles hurt my feet started to hurt and I was like what is going on what is happening right now and I just didn't feel good and I didn't gain the weight because I was liberated I gained the weight because I was coping so heavily with stress and sadness and grief. And that's where I decided to open up the conversation where I was like, you know what? I might have to intentionally like kick my fucking ass and get to the gym when the gyms are open and assume that my body is going to appropriately release weight if it needs to, because I didn't get to this size, like I said, out of liberation. And that's kind of where I approached the potential idea of weight loss where I was like, guys, I don't feel fucking good in my body. Like I don't feel good at all. And I have pain in my body that like really is only relieved when you lose weight, like the varicose vein pain, you know, and and I kind of like opened it up in that way. And I was like, I'm going to create a separate Instagram account to talk about this because I know some people were really upset with that. And, and I totally understand and stuff, but also like, even if for some reason, after everything that I've learned that I had, let's say, let's just call it a relapse. Let's say I was like, okay, everybody, I'm going to diet because like I need to, because I feel really shitty in my body and whatever. It surprises me how unkind some people can be and how upset people can be. And there's a part of me that totally gets it. And mind you, I should say too, that like most people are so supportive. Most people don't give a fuck. Most people are like, you whatever. And dieting is still so accepted that like you'll always get more praise for dieting than you will not dieting. So I say that to put into context with all of this, but some people were so pissed. They were like, you're a fraud and you have built this whole community off of not dieting. And now you're going to completely go back. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to diet though. I just need access to like different foods right now and I need access to exercise and I don't have it and I need to be less stressed and I need my body to release weight for certain pain that I had. And then I had people do like Instagram stories on me and they were like, you can remain the size that you are and not be in pain. And I was like, I don't know if that's actually true. And just like even just saying like, I don't know was like really activating for people. And just like holding that complexity and just not touching the dial and not telling people that they are wrong, but saying like, you know what, you actually might be right. Like this might be futile. Honestly, I might be wrong. That's a very, very real possibility. And just like being open about it instead of doing something in silence or in the dark. And there are so many plus size body positive influencers who over the years, there's like this whisper network where someone will be not feeling great in their body or they'll have a medical issue and they're like, oh no, what do I do if I can't diet? Do I just not deal with this? And it's like, why is the only option not dealing with this or dieting? That's the freaking whole program I built is like a non-diet wellness. It doesn't have to be focused, doesn't have to be consistently on our weight. And I know for you and what I'm hearing right now is like the weight does feel like a focal point because Mm -hmm. we believe it might be causing pain. Mm -hmm. But let me just put something out there. What if we just tabled the weight for a second and instead we focused on you feeling your best? And Mm -hmm. you mentioned being isolated with COVID, going through a breakup. Like these are hard moments and challenging moments in life. And we go through these seasons. It's inevitable. We're going to have loss in our life. We're going to have mental health stuff. And so what if instead you were able to focus on the tools that were going to support you in moving through that time and getting back to the things that you know you feel good doing, dancing, going out with friends, exploring places, feeling more energized by the foods that you eat versus more depleted. And it was all more about really supporting you and stepping into that version of yourself where you feel your best. I 
think your weight starts to figure itself out when you're moving from that space versus so focused on the weight piece and trying to do everything around the weight piece. It's like focus on the things that you know about yourself, the foods that you know serve you, the ways that you move your body that feel good. And and right now that might be going for walks and exploring this new city or getting into a dance class or whatever it is and operating from that perspective. It sounds easier than it actually is, <laughs> but I don't know. I think we've just gotten to this place where health it seems to be all about the way that we look and our weight. And I don't know how we got to that point because that's such a small part of our health. And yet it seems to be the focal point for so many people. And it was for myself as well. So I get it fully and still navigate it now. Okay. So in this space that you're in right now, you're thinking, I'm not going to diet. Maybe, I don't know, to be determined. What steps are you taking? So I'm not dieting. I have wanted to lose weight because I haven't felt good. Like I felt like some of those pains and some of the pains that, you know, can really only be relieved through weight loss. I'm not tracking my foods either. I'm trying to like be very mindful of like how many veggies I'm eating and whether or not I have enough fiber and whether or not I'm getting enough sleep. Sleep is like for me directly correlates to how I digest food and my mental health. And so I would say sleep is like probably the most underrated pillar of health. I don't think people really understand how that actually affects our hunger and fullness cues. And so I'm in regular therapy for like emotional eating and binge eating. So I take care of myself in that way. I'm trying to stay away from certain foods that feel really yummy in the moment, but then afterwards, like I don't feel very good eating. So that usually has to do with like very sweet foods that usually have like refined sugars. So instead I'm trying to like eat foods like fruit, that type of stuff. I try to stay away from dairy. I'm quite plant-based and so much hummus. Always love hummus. Oh my God. <laughs> I can't God. eat hummus. It destroys my stomach. Oh, I'm sorry. Hummus and kale and onions I'm sorry. are no's for me. Yeah. So I haven't taken a dieting approach, but I've been very mindful of like my micronutrients and my macronutrients that I eat. I'm trying to get in more protein because protein also has been shown to alleviate a desire for binging. And that's really important to me, especially because I have started going back to the gym. And so I want to make sure that I'm getting enough protein for myself. And just like, honestly, I try to meditate at least three times a week as well to just try to be um, like activate mindfulness. So that way I'm making decisions every day based on my intuition and not based out of anxiety, making sure that I'm trying to eat without a screen and that I'm exercising and that I'm getting in like regular cardio because you know, my cardiovascular system is very important to me. And especially since I'm in this beautiful city with all of the hikes, I really want to be able to do the hikes. That's like basically where I'm at my journey. So I'm not, I'm really trying to not take a dieting approach whatsoever. I'm just really trying to ask myself like in the moment, like what need is this food meeting? Sometimes I'm like, yeah, I need to be full right now. And I choose foods that will fill me up. And other times I'm like, I think I really need my fiber or I need like micronutrients or I really need protein right now. And I just try really hard to just like navigate it through that. And knowing that like, you know, I'm not trying to hit perfection. I'm just trying to like be curious and see how this feels. And in this last month, I've felt so much better because I'm in a stable place. I'm not road tripping right now. Yes. And I have access to like a grocery store. So I'm like regularly making foods and I've just have felt so much better. Um, my sleep has been absolutely horrible. So that's like one area that I'm not doing well in, but but recently I got prescribed a small, small, small amount of Lexapro. So I'm starting that soon, which I'm really excited for. So medication and meditation. I'm so stoked on that. Same program, sister. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Oh, that's my great. My little white pill and my little white cushion. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. I love it so much. (laughs) Yeah. I also loved that you said, I meditate three. And I was like, oh my God, she's going to say three times a day. And you said three days a week. And I'm like, me too. I can't do every morning at 5 a.m. I'm just not there right now. Three days a week is where I'm at. And that feels right for me. No one has time for that 5 a.m. I mean, I'm sure people do. (laughs) Some some people do, or they say they do. Yeah. I remember when I was like really heavily like drinking the Kool-Aid of the yoga world. And I was like doing yoga like three hours a day. And I was like going to all of the events and 
And I remember people, they were like praising others for being able to get up in the morning and do yoga. And I was like, okay. And I forced myself to go and do yoga at like six o'clock in the morning a bunch of times. Like I hate waking up and being physical. First thing is like not my jam. I like, I have a very sacred morning routine of like making my matcha and reading and I stretch while I read. And so I like clear my living room and I just kind of like ease into my body. It's Mm. delicious. We love it. And I literally want to die anytime someone's like, you up for a a. 7am run? And it's just like, absolutely not. I'm like an afternoon at night type of exercise person. So that yoga dream of like just waking up and I'm just like, "Mm, I'm effortless and I'm just going to do downward dog at like six o'clock in the morning with my chaturangas. And it's like, I would rather eat shit right now than ever do that ever, ever, ever again. No, me neither. I can't tell you how many times I've set my alarm to do like the morning workout before the kids wake up. It sounds like such a nice idea to just have that space for yourself. I can't, I can't do it. I'm like, uh, (laughs) no, it's canceled. It's canceled. And I'm also going to say, I still hope that it happens for me someday. So don't come back to haunt me if (laughs) five years from now, when I'm sleeping better, I'm up at 6 a.m. having my hot water. Oh my water God, could you imagine in five years we should check in on each other and I'll be like in Costa Rica like with my like 5.30 a.m. chaturanga <laughs> practice and you'll be like, yep, I've been meditating for 55 days straight and it's now three o'clock in the morning. I <laughs> hope so. I mean, <laughs> we'll be feeling really good, but who knows? Totally. This conversation actually spilled out over an hour. So we've split it into two parts. We're talking about dating during COVID and the pandemic. We're going to talk about how she creates a mindset and what's coming up next for her. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Please take a moment to rate, review, or follow on your favorite podcast app and share this episode with someone that you think could benefit. Join the Raw Beauty Talks community at Raw Beauty Talks. And remember, it's your story, your body, your mind, and your journey. So think about what resonates with you and leave the rest behind. I'll see you next week. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.